got to do the intro. Okay. Imagine that uh, Kara's screeched to a halt. <laughs> um, yes. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to Disaster Pieces, your favourite... Uh, podcast, favourite podcast. podcast. Yes, full yeah. stop. Yeah. This is episode four. Mm-hmm. God. We have to introduce ourselves again. Yeah, no, we okay. do. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, here with me, Joanna. Uh, and I'm Sydney. I mean, obviously, it's a waste of time because by episode four, we've kind of accrued a dedicated listenership. Absolutely. Yeah, we're now uh, doing a bit of a different one because mm. all of our last episodes have been a bit modern. I wanted to turn back the dial a bit and do like an old shit album for a change. Yeah, and this is also different. It's different it's in a special. lot of ways. Yeah. It's special. Yeah, that's definitely one way of putting it. So it's actually the... Actually, you know, it's what? actually. Do you know what the album is? It's Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the worst albums of all time. <laughs> Almost, it's the uh, soundtrack to a jukebox musical uh, titled Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. How did the Beatles okay this? Yeah, that is such a good question. Well, I think it's mostly to do with the fact that um, Peter Frampton. Uh, who is one of the masterminds of this album, bought the rights not from the Peter Beatles. Peter Frampton is such a problem. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he really is. Um, he's a real issue. <laughs> for me, he's the uh, sort of dark mind that's um, pulling all the strings yeah. behind he's this. he's on them though, right? He's on yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. There's a few of them where he's kind of almost going it solo. He's bad. I mean, this album, unfortunately despite being called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, is also Abbey Road. Yeah, like a, like most of Abbey most Road of Abbey as well. Road. It's very long. I mean, we'll get to this, but like, as for better or for worse, a bit of a Beatles girl and an album purist, it's very upsetting to me. Yeah, how they've really it's just taken a chainsaw There's to... There's like important segues that are yeah, yeah, disregarded. Yeah, yeah. I guess to serve the narrative of the film. Well, what narrative? Yeah. You know what? I'll just let Joe read this out because okay. it's actually, I've got, if that's right, I've got yeah, quite a lengthy one yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was a 1978 jukebox musical film directed by Michael Schultz, written by Henry Edwards and starring an ensemble cast led by Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. The film's psychedelic and surreal plot follows a band in their struggle against a corrupt music industry which tries to exploit them and their idyllic hometown of Heartland. The film's soundtrack consists of Beatles cover songs performed almost entirely by Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees, (laughs) including almost the entirety of the album's Abbey Road and Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the latter giving the musical its name. The film is presented in a form similar to that of a rock opera, with the songs providing dialogue to carry the story. Yeah, actually, kind of wanna... like Mamma Mia. Yes, but you know, like like but... the songs, do they really tell the story? No, are they shoehorned in to what is like what is like the bare bones of a narrative? Yes. Yeah, no, it is like that. It's like they looked at the album, the track titles individually, and been like, "How can we?" And some of make the tracks have been shoehorned in by they're being performed on stage by a band. Mm. That's how, like, so it's it gets tenuous. Yeah. Obviously. Side note. Yeah, so obviously, you know, there's characters, like, there's a character called Strawberry. There's a character called Me, Mr. Mr. Mustard. <laughs> there's a character called Mr. Kite. I believe he's the yeah. mayor of Heartland. There's, um, there's um, the Hendersons of the Mr. Kite lyrics. Back to Sid's little write-up. The film opens with the town mayor, Mr. Kite, recalling the history of Heartland's celebrated marching band and their saint-like band leader, Sergeant Pepper. 
The sergeant and his band brought happiness through their music, even causing troops in World War One to stop fighting. <laughs> However, in 1958, at the unveiling of a weather vane made in his honour, the elderly Sergeant Pepper died. In the present day, his musical legacy is left to his grandson, Billy, who forms a new Lonely Hearts Club band with his three best friends, the brothers Mark, Dave and Bob Henderson. Peter Frampton plays Billy Shears, leader of the re reformed band and grandson of Sergeant Pepper, while the Bee Gees play the other members of the band, Mark, David and Bob Henderson. They also provide the computerised voices for me, Mr Mustard's robots. Alongside the film, a double album of the soundtrack was released, produced by the fifth Beatle himself, George Martin. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so George Martin produced this. George Martin Are produced you this. Fucking so, kidding me. That's <laughs> crazy. I didn't know it, that till right now. That's absolutely unthinkable. Yeah, so none of the other four were involved with this. Um, I mean, also this like 78. What was going on then? Was Lennon still alive? Yeah, just. Okay. Well, they were probably like, I'm sure, let's catch exactly, this Exactly, and George Martin's how doing it. it like, how bad can it be? Yeah. Yeah, so I think entrusting it to George Martin was kind of this implicit, like, I yeah. will be fine. Yeah. Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees, sort of at the height of their powers. Um, I believe maybe Henry Edwards? I'm not sure. The, the guy who produced this film mm. also produced uh, Grease and Whoa. Saturday Night Fever. Which and those are, are both, good films. Which have both just come out. So he was like, you know, it's the Beatles, it's the Bee Gees. It's you know, going to be amazing. How bad could it be? Bad, is that And um, yeah, this album really like test the limits of the answer to that question yeah 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 and the Bee Gees obviously Saturday Night Fever that's all them that just come out the year before the problem is that this is wrong <laughs> and Saturday Night Fever is what it is mm. and this isn't what it is because like Saturday Night Fever was always the Bee Gees this should never have been the Bee Gees yeah I'll get you to read on because um, um, this kind of addresses okay so this is things. the critical response on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an 11% score based on 27 reviews with an average rating of 3.9 out of 10. Actually, yeah, quick pause. We were debating whether or not to watch the film of this. We have not watched the film of this. I've kind of clicked through it. Yeah, I've, I've seen scenes. And I've read, I've read the synopsis on Wikipedia. Yeah, I've read reviews. Yeah. As terrible as this album is... Genuinely, it seems like the film is even worse yeah. from the response. The I mean, the, the plot is nonsense. And it's long. It's quite long. It's yeah. over hour. two hours oh, long. Maybe the one I found was an hour 50, but maybe it had like chopped off an opening segment or something. Maybe. And I was just like, we're not going to sit down and watch this two-hour no, shit film. I thought maybe we would watch it over dinner, but I, like, I'm, I'm very glad that we didn't. We've listened to all the songs in it. I really Multiple don't think times, there's yeah. even that much that we're missing. Okay. And the album also, itself is already so long. Like an hour and 25, yeah. It really um, screams just like but, vanity project yeah. with just nothing yeah. going on. Yeah, so these are some okay. of the uh, film reviews. Back to critical response. In Rolling Stone, Paul Nelson ridiculed virtually every aspect of the production, writing that Frampton had absolutely no future in Hollywood, while Schultz would seem to need direction merely to find the set, let alone the camera. The New York Times' Janet Maslin wrote that the musical numbers are strung together so mindlessly that the movie has the feel of an interminable variety show. Also adding that, conceived in a spirit of merriment, Watching it feels like playing shuffleboard at the absolute insistence of a bossy shipboard social director. When whimsy gets to be this overbearing, it simply isn't whimsy anymore. Yeah, that seems legit. Yeah, very apt writing, I think. Writing in the Rolling Stone Record Guide in 1983, Dave Marsh dismissed the soundtrack as an utter travesty and easily the worst album of any notoriety in this book. Wow. 
He concluded, two million people bought this album, which proves that P.T. Barnum was right and that euthanasia may have untapped possibilities. <laughs> Jesus. That's only five years after this had come out. I mean, on YouTube, there was people very sincerely being like, yeah. I, love, I love this. People really care about doing covers. I'm yeah, really yeah, glad. Yeah. Like, this is a really good album. Yeah, that's another thing. So we had to both uh, stream this via the same YouTube like link. Like Spanish YouTube link. Um, because this doesn't exist on any streaming services anymore for deliberate reasons. Yeah, yeah. When asked about the film in a 1979 interview, George Harrison expressed his sympathy for Stigwood, Frampton and the Bee Gees, acknowledging that they had all worked hard to achieve success before making Sergeant Pepper. He said of Frampton and the Bee Gees, I think it's damaged their images, their careers, and they didn't need to do that. It's just like the Beatles trying to do the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones can do it better. The release made history as being the first record to return platinum. What does that mean? Oh, my God. With over 4 million copies of it taken off store shelves and shipped back to distributors. Hundreds of thousands of copies of the album ended up being destroyed by RSO. The company itself experienced a considerable financial loss and the Bee Gees as a group had their musical reputation tarnished. Though other involved bands such as Aerosmith were unscathed in terms of their popularity. So this album I think is partially Man, I didn't realize. responsible for the death of disco. Like genuinely. Literally, yeah. Um, because even or like, by... Or like not, not real disco, like normally white people disco. Yeah, as like a mainstay of pop yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the death of disco was only the year after this. Yeah. And the year before this was Saturday Night FIFA. Yeah. So, you know, two million people did buy it and four million were returned. Which is a crazy concept now because now there's like barely any physical distribution for yeah. even major label releases. So something like the idea of like paying that much to recall 4 million vinyls. Because they were simply sitting on the shelves and no one was buying them. Also, they I would have bought this if I was <laughs> if I was about kicking about in 1978, I would probably have bought this and then been like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I cut the Bee Gees out. probably were naff to like actual music fans. They yeah. probably always thought the Bee Gees were naff. I can't imagine people like us, who like good music, <laughs> um, who were about in 78, thought the Bee Gees were great. This would have been on our radar and maybe it would have been this weird oh kind God, of curio. I'm imagining us as like early 20s and the late 70s. You would be dressed the same. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. That That's all the blurb. Okay. But it was a long one because I yeah. think there was a lot of context. Yeah, there is a lot of context. I'm almost <clears throat> surprised it was so badly received, actually. It's Are very you? bad. It's very <laughs> bad. Like, don't get me wrong. But I'm just surprised that people didn't just go along with it, I guess. It clearly just tipped the balance from being like cutesy Beatles fan thing to like actually this is bad and is ruining like really good Beatles music. But I think I think it's deserved. <laughs> there was also other stuff I left out in that I get the sense that from the beginning the production of the I mean the film was already shaky. The the writer of the film had was actually a music critic oh um, who had never written a screenplay bad before. Premise. Um, and bad uh, who are you going to write a screenplay about? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll write like a horrible um, Radiohead jukebox musical oh, that's um, no. all about like a subterranean homesick alien. Yeah, and then like the production of the album was like very fraught. This is a Peter Frampton vanity project is the main so sort of issue. who is Peter? The funny thing is, who is he? I actually just, w I'm not very familiar with him at all, but no. he clearly was a big deal back, uh, back in the 70s. Yeah. I think he really is a artist who's kind of been lost to the sand of time. In this period, he was very famous. And this was really... Best known for such hits as Show Me The Way, which I don't know. 
think he definitely was. You know, I'm embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't be embarrassed to say I don't. I didn't know who he was. No, you like the Bee Gees, be by contrast, sure. we have, have very much survived. I mean, but... what's it called? Uh, More than a woman was like a massive TikTok here, and that's kind of that's what I hear when I think Bee Gees. And you know, Saturday Night Fever, yeah. people yeah, yeah, still yeah. enjoy. Yeah. What's the other one? Staying Alive. Oh God. Um, of which course. I don't know if you heard. There was like a horrible DJ Khaled Drake um, oh, remix God. of that that came out this year. No, I didn't. That was really the pits. I guess, yeah, this album is really responsible definitely for the decline in their appreciation and is a, was a part like, of the Because people were like, wait, they did this thing that was really bad. Yeah, and then I think almost, you could argue, killed Peter Frampton's career outright. Which it rightly did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's deservedly so for, for this record because uh, just like, what was he thinking? I mean, yeah, the, the film, you what know... What was George Martin thinking? That's what yeah. I can't let go of. Yeah, it's he hard got, to... Maybe he just was... Maybe he'd gone deaf, one option. Two, <laughs> two option, maybe he just was, like, ha like pissing himself the whole time. Maybe he just thought it was really... He was casting check and thought it was really funny. Because some of the produ production is really whack. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really hard to imagine that George Martin would, like listen to some of these songs it's also and be like yeah that's a job well it's done. interestingly panned in the way that the beatles is panned but it's so dated to the late 70s and that is really jarring mm. like it's panned it's like it's got two channels quite hard quite often mm -hmm. it had some wacky wacky left right stuff going on so i really am a beatles girl yeah let's talk about um... i know that's like really not a cool take i i do know that not very many people don't like the beatles but most people are indifferent and i get that I think it's partly being a music student, like, it's just pervasive and they hold this very, very strange place in the culture. At our primary school, we, like, sung Beatles songs in yeah. assembly and stuff, which in, is very weird. Was it a non-religious school? No, it was. Oh, uh, I was like, that's the religion of the UK if you're not religious. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, mixed in with, like, traditional hymns, we had, like, When I'm 64 and, yeah, um... Yeah, yeah. Like... And, I mean, we did, like... We did A Day in the Life in School Orchestra. Before you know very much about actual music history mm. and how music happen in the 20th century. The Beatles is like the foundational text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as British as like the national anthem. And like before before you know about like the 50s and the US, mm. when you're a teenager, the Beatles is like the beginning of, the Beatles is like to pop music what Bach is to classical music. Yeah. Which, is also a misconception mm. as an aside but like when you don't know very much it's just like the default music. it's the default music and my introduction to the beatles was love which is a compilation album it's got songs that like melt like segue into each other so i only knew the first two verses of get back that, that kind of thing mm. and then my first real beatles album was sergeant pepper like i remember listening to sergeant pepper on the bus to school off my like rose gold motorola front to back yeah, very much so. I have always been an album girl. That's just how I'm wired. Mm. Even my parents, when I was like, we can't, we can't possibly listen to the first two songs from Rumours and then skip. They were like, get a grip. But I just like a bit of order. Mm. You know, let's put it like that. How did Little Joe react to With You Without You? The like, Raga song on yeah, um, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, I just was like, whatevs. I enjoyed yeah? it. Yeah. I mean, my dad does his dabble in heavy inverted commas world music. So, <laughs> yeah, notably, With You Without You is one of the songs that's missing from because this. Because they could not possibly because, shoot yeah. that. Yeah. And, and basically, any challenging edge of the Beatles 
is glaringly omitted. One of my gripes is like, for example, I feel like A Day in the Life is really neutered on this. They really, I like they get rid of the weird um, speaky bit at the yeah, end. And and yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. gone. Yeah, the A Day in the Life is really sad. Oh, I just was going to say about my Beatles thing. Yeah, which is yeah, that, yeah. So Sgt. Peppers was really my Beatles album. But then maybe when I was about 16 or 17, Abbey Road became my Beatles album. Mm. So that's my, that's where I'm coming at. And so it's weird because it's different to the other albums we've done. Like I know the music extremely mm. well. I know the words. I know all the words. Which makes it even more painful. Stranger, really strange. And also you know what's about to come. Yeah. And then when it's... When it's different or wrong. When your, like, hopes are dashed. Mm -hmm. How about you? What's your Beatles story? Um, I mean, because, like, the Beatles are just omnipresent yeah. in British culture, I, I don't remember not knowing who the Beatles were. But these, for me, these are the two albums I specifically know the most. My parents aren't, certainly aren't albums people, but my kind of musical upbringing was more based on, like, this big iPod playlist Whoa. that my dad had kind of amassed that was just like random songs he liked mm. and then it was just like weird sort of smattering so like the songs that i grew up with also not necessarily like the best beatles mm, songs because okay. it would be like i remember blackbird I know, and that's pretty... here comes the sun i mean yeah those, uh, are, very, those and... are also very kid, like kid friendly beatles songs. yeah 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 and also um Oh my god, yeah, Oh Bloody Oh Blada. Oh fuck. Um, yeah, see that's never, Oh Bloody Oh Blada, Yellow Submarine, that was never my Beatles culture. Yellow Submarine as well, yeah, that was yeah. another one. So again, yeah, these like from my childhood. Never really had a proper introduction, but it was just like background, you know. Mm. When I was about um, 14 was when I started getting really into like, music. I'm a music nerd, I need to know all the Beatles albums. It's a foundational tags. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years down the line, I was like, okay, now I need to listen to like stuff from a long time ago. And I kind of turned my nose up at the Beatles because I was like, oh, but... Well, also because the Beatles have a lot of like quaint, sort of like silly-ish songs. Yeah. And I was like, well... When you were, t you were like too cool for it. Yeah, good music is like serious music. And also it's like, a really music. long time ago. We've unpacked the good music is not silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since then. Completely. I think I probably tackled them in earnest about age 17, 18. Okay, yeah. And yeah, I mean, basically, I think I do like the Beatles and I completely... Sid is a much more serious thing for about music than I am. Like, for, for serious... I really mean that for real. So I'm very excited for what you're about to say. Well, I know... I Also, you know, it's such a fucking overwrought thing to be like, oh, the Beatles are overrated. Like, Yes, but only because the extent that they're acclaimed is so like astronomical and mm -hmm. all encompassing that like they could obviously never live up to it's that in, reputation. It's too complicated. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that like three of them are really, really talented musicians and songwriters. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Ringo. And also, they're just like such a weird product of the shape of the music industry and the time that they're in. Also, they themselves have incredibly different tastes in music, and that's like really obvious from their albums. Mm -hmm. For me, that's like a bit of a deal breaker in that you listen, you're like, oh, this is Paul's song, and this is John's song, and yeah. this is George's song. Like, after they did the whole like boy band thing, they were really like, oh, we have interests and like aims as artists mm -hmm. that actually aren't really that overlapping with each other. We just happen to find ourselves in this band. And, you know, Paul, like, I do think Paul has written abysmal music, but 
He's also written some amazing, amazing music. Like, but, his best is extremely, extremely good. And also, the weird pressures of the Beatles, like, you know, you look at how prolific they were, and it's kind of because they were forced to be. They're putting out, I like, mean, two so, to three albums so a year. Prolific. And the way he talks about, even the idea of Sgt. Pepper's, like, he just, like, wrote it on a plane. Mm. Um, and it's not even it's not even really mythologized like it's kind of true because they were so prolific like they just yeah. had to just crack it out no other group of boys could do that like it's not like any band put in that insane mm. position by the record labels could also make amazing music yeah. all that said i don't like the beatles as an album band I think they've got amazing, amazing songs, but their albums are way too under the kind of watchful eye of the label. I think my favourite Beatles album, conversely, is actually the White Album. Yeah. Which is like, yes, very aesthetically clashing, but it leans into it, kind of owns that. I'm also, I'm one of those cunts that actually thinks Revolution Number 9 is good. Yeah. I think Abbey Road is really great, but really also like I don't like Maxwell Silverhammer. Really? There's some of the songs in the medley I don't like. No, that's fair. So that's why it, the Beatles albums are not like my favourite ever albums. Yeah. So this is why for me they're a songs band, yeah, not an albums band. I just can't bear it. It's ingrained into me that X follows Y. Very much one of the least upsetting things about this, but mm. one of the things I do sometimes find upsetting is like... There's just no thought. No, and like, I want you, she's so heavy, not being followed by Here Comes the Sun, because that's like absolutely critical on Abbey Road. Mm. It's like the album flip. Oh, and I, like, yeah, it, I it, want it, you, she's so heavy. One of my favorite, favorite Beatles too. songs. Me too, I really, really love it. And um, Massacred. God, I hate the version of we're it. We're getting to here. it, finally, we're getting to yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, so I want you, she's so heavy. The way I gasped is what I've written. So, one of the things I noticed is. I thought at the start... the start, it's kind of similar to the Beatles song. Yeah, kind of. It's a bit like a, of a toothless kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, but like before the vocals start, it's going to be another one of the like slightly bad versions yeah. of the same song. And then clearly no one in the studio wanted to approach like Paul's crazy delivery on the yeah. song. So then they start... There's like a guitar <laughs> that just comes in and does it instead, yes. right? Yes. Which is like... Okay, then, fine. Like, I, but at least they were like they knew their limits. Yeah. But then, no, they didn't know their their limits because uh, this guy called Donald Pleasance, who pops up a few times, every time <laughs> it made me gasp. Every even when I was playing it to Oscar, that's my flatmate, <laughs> because I to be like you're gonna gasp, I still gasp. I believe it's the the German term like Sprechgesang. When you have uh, someone kind of speak singing. Maybe I'm over-intellectualising someone who's just like, can't decide whether or not they're going to try and sing. Um, It's horrible. Yeah. It's awful. Then that eventually gives out for like group vocals. It just keeps like changing tack. Whereas like the original is like this slow build up of tension and it yeah. gets like more and more messy. Even when they're doing She's So Heavy, it's still getting more and more and more. Whereas this one is just and like... And then do, do, do. Yeah, and yeah. then it's Here Comes the Sun, and that's the fucking point. I want you. I want you so badly. I want you. I want you so bad. It's driving me mad. It's driving me mad. Then it's Here Comes the Sun, which is not in the category of done similarly to the Beatles, no. but a bit worse. 
This is shocking. Yeah, this is really like shocking. choices were made. So it's kind of um, it's done with like a sort of is, is it a synthy keyboard? Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, real like heavy auto tune on the va on the vocal in a way like it's like almost vocoder tending. One of the things it's I also it's bossa. Yeah, it's got bossa nova, <laughs> like percussion. Yes. Yeah, yes. I've written that as well. Yes. So it's strange. Like, like it's you know about to be a samba. Like it's horrible. I don't know if you notice as well. Um, it's got this like I've written um. It's what, what, so what, crazy. What the hell is this Morse code esque beeping? There's like this oh, yeah, Morse code yeah, beeping yeah, yeah. that goes through the whole song. It's someone saying SOS. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean. It, this really is like some weird, crazy, like strange band choices, like an easy listeningified version of Here Comes the Sun. It, it's funny because, um, you know, the opener, Sergeant Pepper, with a little help from my friends, are kind of almost done straight, yeah, apart from are, like yeah, the odd yeah. vocal inflection by Peter Frampton. No, it's basically are, yeah. a one-to-one -one cover. Yeah. Whereas this, like, totally they were right. like, we can't leave a single element of this song no, resembling also the original. The tempo, I've said, really hate kind of everything. Tempo arrangement, weird bossa. Um, oh, the the bass. The bass. I was about the to bring bass. up the bass. What the fuck <laughs> is this like bass doing? It's like a roaming, a roaming bass <laughs> <line>. <laughs> It's like doing so it's like a, much. A, like not walking. Roaming is the word. It's I crazy. It's, it's really crazy. It's so crazy. It's so hyperactive. It's so yeah, like yeah, hard yeah, yeah. to. And it's really like the specific way. It's probably the the instrument itself, and also the way it's been produced. It's so present. But it ends with um like a key change. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they're doing like the sun, 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 here we sun. come. But they, they sing it in a different key at the end it's as well. It's really strange, yeah. Really, really nasty. I mean, like, it was... the tempo, is it like a, a touch back off of what it is on the Beatles album, a bit slower. Yeah. It's really, it really is bad. It like kills it. it it's dead in the water. Here comes the sun. Also got Sandy Farina on vocals, and she's doing way too much. She pops up oh, yeah. a lot on this. Yeah, no, she's doing. I think she so plays um, Strawberry, yeah. the love interest of the film. Yeah, there's two specific performances by women doing too much. One on this, and one on Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah, just like, like adding unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really dated, horrible. Just over singing. Over singing. Yeah, over singing. The delivery on Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah, fucking horrible, dreadful, horrifying vocal is what I've got written here. Stuff of nightmares. It's kind of got a space age vibe. But then it cuts to the chorus, which sounds like it's out of Sister Act. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's suddenly like Lucy in the 
sky. Like it's crazy. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with Yeah, and um, also like her accent is kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Got like a sort of gospel vibe yeah, in the very, chorus. In the chorus, yeah, but then like it goes back to this weird. It's not quite the mean Mr. Muscle robot voice, but it's just it's it's bad. I don't like it. It's and we get it. The only original. It's about drugs. Like we get it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we've all been there writing an essay when we were fifteen. Yeah, talking about like, like tangerine plants or whatever the fuck yeah and marshmallow skies yeah, and like yeah. the, the, if you did, like the initials actually that's the name of a drug <laughs> i was just gonna say last thing on lucy in the sky this, this specific song has this horrible creative decision where um the horns creep up on you in this really <gasps> exaggerated this happens way again and again though like the, oh does it it happens there's a couple of times where i'm like this is bad and then the kind of weird twee half-hearted brass like is what really kills me off yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a F1 car going past you yeah. the way it's mixed. It's nasty. Yeah. It's real nasty. The other major get for this album is Earth, Wind and Fire. <gasps> I was upset by that. What are they on? They're on um Got to Get You Into My Life, yeah. right? That's and then I, I think they're maybe even only on one other one apart from that. Which like I guess is a twee tending song even when it's done by the Beatles. Oh, that's another one that has a horrible invasive horn what? section. Got you guys. Oh yeah. yeah. Got good in my life, in my life. Listeners, if you're wondering why we're referring so often to our notes, it's because this is just it's such so a long. massive album. And then I think the only other time Earth, Wind & Fire return is for the finale, which is just, they just fucking perform the Sgt. Pepper reprise again, but it's all, that was already covered about it halfway through. It was already through. reprised like So it's through, reprise, yeah. re-reprise, and it's just annoying. It's this group yeah. vocal thing. And you're so, like, ready for the album to be done by that point. Like, just don't do it. I believe in the actual film, a ton of people turn up. Well, they do a Sgt. Pepper's cover style yeah. thing, don't they? I think, yeah. like, Donna Summer turns up oh, and Donna, all, all these people. Oh, don't do yourself like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind oh. of a who's who of disco. Oh, man. Another kind of major stylistic choice. Um, Are you we... going to talk about the spoken word situation? Yeah, because yeah. you mentioned yeah. the spoken word bit. and um... What else is it really funny on? Oh, Maxwell Silverhammer. Yeah. Hilarious. You know who it is, right? Who? 
Steve Martin, the American like comedy actor. Oh, I do. In, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. By the dozen. Yes, yes, yes. No. He was in the um, Wait, Little Shop of doing... Horrors a couple of years before this. He's doing the lyric on Maxwell Silverhammer. On Maxwell Silverhammer, no. he plays a baddie. Oh fuck. Again, this was another thing where the producers of the film were probably like, Steve Martin, like, how can this he's fail? Max of Maxwell Silverhammer, maybe? So, I mean, to be fair, he's hamming it up. He's trying to make it it's sound silly. It's so hammy. And I mean, it's just, it's stupid, but it's really skin-crawling. Like, it's not a pleasant listen, I wouldn't say. Oh, and also Maxwell Silverhammer, unlike the original, starts with this jazz fusion jam for about two minutes. All the Beatles songs that you're like, you know what this would be really complimented well by uh, a jazz fusion jam for like two minutes why maxwell silverhammer the most orthodox like wartime it's silly on the original it's yeah meant to be really it's about a murder like it's kind of unsettling it's not yeah. to be taken at face value i believe john lennon called it fucking granny music exactly so there, you go. there we go when he was like wanted to leave the beatles he was like paul just wants to write fucking granny music like max that's so interesting because i thought they obviously were all in on the joke but maybe not no 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 apparently that specific song the recording sessions was lasted really for like dense. four days and paul kept being like no it's not right like we need to do it again and was like re-recording re-recording really oh, funny oh, when, you, when you listen to that song he was like no this needs to be perfect and the other three were like, for fuck's sake. Ringo just doing a fucking hammer. Yeah. Like well, the like hammer that. sound effect. Like, on the original, it's kind of ridiculous. But on this, it's deafening. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the intro sort of animation for Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Not, where really. there's like a dun-dun sound. Okay. And it's like that. It's so loud in the mix. This hammer coming down on an anvil. Which I maybe is... Deliberate because it's kind of supposed to be really funny. It's really hard to know where the line was on the comedy because they obviously all thought it was going to be really funny. I, d I don't feel in on the joke no, if there no, is one. No, no, no. Back in school again, Maxwell plays the fool again. Teacher gets annoyed, wishing to avoid an unpleasant. I think maybe that's the only one that Steve Martin does, but there okay, is yeah. a ton of other times when people just are like, I'm just going to speak my way through this. I think I want to talk about Strawberry Fields Forever for a second mm -hmm. first. That was one of like the big missed opportunities. Uh -huh. And then I want to talk about the honestly just like legendary run of When I'm 64 through Me, Mr. Because. Mustard. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, four yeah. is like something <laughs> big, else. It's a big four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Strawberry Fields Forever I want to talk about because this was one that I, for the first minute or so, was like, oh, this is really good. Um, Sandy Farina is like, turns it into this chamber folk 
yeah. beautiful, almost like Linda Perhacks vibe. Mm -hmm. But no, but no, she doesn't. No. She only does that for the first minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, the yeah, it's upsetting. Again, that it's fucking really bass that won't upsetting. calm down. The Haunting disco the drums kind of come in. On this album. Yeah, it was so disappointing because this yeah. was one where I was like, this might actually be hope. good. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's so fucking horrible. What are your thoughts on it? Very specific, very strange choices made. Yeah, the, the, there's so many points where these strange and specific choices are made and they're like unfathomable. And nothing to get hung about. Strawberry feels forever. Yeah, let's, let's tackle the Fab Four. Fab Four. What's that? Starting with YM64. Please no. <laughs> and the thing is... Because it's spoken word again. Oh, fucking Isn't hell. It? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. This is, it's got the duo. It's got the man and the woman. It, it does eventually. Oh, oh and it's the man being really, really weird and sexual and creepy. <laughs> so the thing is... Okay, I already... <laughs> don't like when I'm 64. No, of course not. I think no, it's a bad it's song bad. and I don't enjoy it. And like, why? That is also fucking granny music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's but not. But this, this rendition is like made curvy, me like it. Grannies. It made me like the original. <laughs> it was that bad. There was a point about two thirds of the way into this and I'll it's get upsetting. into the specifics. It's upsetting. Where I was like, I was already like, I think this is one of the worst pieces <laughs> of recorded music I've ever heard. And then the male singer starts doing Going, sex noises. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, tell me. I just couldn't believe yeah. what I was hearing. Like, I actually couldn't believe what I was hearing. It's crazy. When I get older... Yeah. <laughs> you kind of sound like Bob Dylan when you do. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was Bob Dylan. I really can't emphasise how bad this is. Like, I would submit this as one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Definitely. Definitely. And and I don't think this album is worse than any of the other three we've listened to, no, but this, this song is. is. It's this, so this song is really up there with um, We Wanted Change for me. But then he starts doing like opera yeah, vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I can't, you can't make it up. Every decision that was made is like, how could we make this even yeah, worse? Right. Then the mean Mr. Mustard vocoder robots come in. On this song, yeah. they're already a horrible feature of this album. It's, yeah. it's just the Bee Gees, yeah. really robotic style vocals. They're on this, because why the fuck wouldn't they be? Yeah, then Sandy Farina takes over the vocals and then he just starts making sex noises, inexplicably. And then she's like, will you still be sending me a valentine? And he's like, ooh, will you? <laughs> like, it's insane. It's totally insane. If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Oh, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64?
sweater by the fireside. Sunday morning, go for a ride. Do in the garden, dig in the weeds. Who could ask for more? Who indeed? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when, when I'm 64? Too dear. We shall scrimp and say, Oh, never stop. Grandchildren on your knees. Oh, yes, yes. Zero. Chuck. Day. Do go on. Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. All right. Stating. Precisely what you mean to say You don't You're know sincerely away. Give me your answer Fill in a form Mine Forevermore Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64 I'm like kind of stunned to silence it needs to be heard to be believed. This song alone is more than enough reason to recall and demolish yeah, yeah, the like copies the, of this album. Yeah. And then the other three that come after here aren't much better. Like then we get a robot solo. Of me, Mr. Mustard, yeah. Which I think is an unfortunate fate for what is actually quite a good song. I really hesitate to use the word highlights, but one of my highlights of the album was She's Leaving Home. Was that another robot one? It's robot. It was very, very twee but kind of cute. I like She's Leaving Home as well. Oh, I really like the original, the original of She's yeah, Leaving yeah, yeah. Home. Yes, this version of it did kill off the like very tender sadness of the mm. original song, but I thought it was kind of sweet. But on Me, Mr. Mustard, it's very bad. We just had the robots, like at least kind of yeah, and when your robots throughout the track list. Home, it's like, oh, fine, yeah. And then if it wasn't bad enough, guest vocalist Frankie Howard, not that Frankie Howard, just starts going, you know, it's like, He's such a dirty old man. And then he just starts going, dirty old man. It's crazy. <laughs> it's horrible. It's so horrible. In this strange, like, decrepit little voice. Oh, he's just enjoying it so much. It is just an he's assault on I the senses. Sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's horrible. It's so... Why is it, why is it that sexual? Then we get George Burns doing Fixing a Hole. I guess this is like the best of the Fab Four they, by default. Um, I mean, it's a weird original. It's like a, a weird song. I quite like the original. I, actually, I, but I kind of have warmed like, to the original. It's got yeah. this kind of like psychedelic group yeah, vocals yeah, of it. Yeah. He manages to give this delivery that sounds as if they've just recorded an old man on the side of the street, like rambling to himself. Mm -hmm. And that's his delivery. It really sounds like he wasn't aware that they were recording him, but he's also doing the lyrics to the song. It's really strange. And, and then it just fades out and he's still going. It has the child backing vocals. Oh, yeah. The creepy, creepy 
it's got weird, creepy, clowny children. I hate that. I really hate that so much. Right off the back of Frankie Howard for two songs in a row being unnecessarily sexual as well. Yeah, it's weird. It's really, really weird. I'm painting my room in a colourful way And when my mind is wandering There I will And then this one, yeah, track 17, this is also definitely a low point for me. I mean, it kind of is funny. What got me was um, Love is Old, Love is New, Love is Old, whatever it is, Love is You, sweetie. <laughs> that was what Yeah, so me. this is Alice Cooper Crucially, and the yes. Bee Gees covering Because. Which is really a sentence that should never have existed. And All three parts yeah. of that sentence do not belong together. So it's obviously, another in the spoken word universe. Yes, yes. Album. And also Alice Cooper is obviously deliberately being silly. Like yeah. It's like he heard the Steve Martin one from earlier. He knows Stupid. it's ridiculous. But the Bee Gees don't. The Bee Gees are doing it 100% deadpan. Yeah. So it just really sounds like they're two recordings taken from different YouTube tabs that you've got open. Like, it's so bizarre. When I played it to my flatmate, Oscar, he said, is it Maggie Smith? <laughs> 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 That's really, like, for me, low slash high point of crazy choices. Like I said, all three of the elements should not have gone together, do not go together. Love is old, love is new. Love is all, love is you, sweetie. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. Because the sky is blue. Why was Alice Cooper involved? I have no idea. I mean, no, no, I couldn't tell you. Money, presumably. And I you're guess right, the Bee Gees aren't doing it silly. That when I'm 64 to because streak, that's really like the absolute nadir of, of this album. Um, I think that's about it for, for yeah. this. I never ever want to watch the film. If it's this, but padded with like terrible and I think acting. from the bits of flicking through what I did, it seems like quite sexual in a really upsetting way. Yeah, well the album was quite sexual in an upsetting yeah. way, wasn't it? I'm sure we've already put a clip in it and you've heard it, but When I'm 64 is just so shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. I'm a good Catholic girl. And that's <laughs> really, it's too, too much. I almost want to like canonize that in our canon of terrible songs yeah alongside we, we want to change maybe what and nothing else oh what about um one what, tribe both or ways. now generation <laughs> um, both ways is probably the worst of lp1 yeah and then probably now generation one tribe is also really bad and offensive i don't think any songs on liam payne or black Eyed peas though quite get Reach to this height. level no. 
To me, this is Peter Frampton wishes that he was the Beatles. He's kind of living it his Beatles. own yesterday yeah. fantasy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, yeah, definitely when I'm 64, my worst. And the one I hated the least was the Aerosmith cover, okay, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Oh, fucking hell. It made me realise that the Beatles were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the way they did it suited the songs. Don't go out and listen to this. Do not listen to when... Well, you've already heard when I was 64. <laughs> you've probably not heard I I like long for the time before I'd heard when I was 64. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't go out and listen to this. It's not necessary. It's horrible. We did it for you. Oh, all right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again with yeah. another one. I mean, probably by the time it's recorded and edited, it'll be like our Christmas special or yes, something. Yes, absolutely. God, what do we do? Oh, my God. We should do... Anyway, that's for off... Off the record, <laughs> this is for a surprise for next time. All right. Yeah. Um, it's been another episode of Disaster Pieces. Stay safe. Um, yeah, stay away from this album. Yeah. Bye.